Let us pray together. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, as for me, and as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. Father, what a blessing it is to be near you at this time. To be part of your church. To be part of your family. To be part of your heritage and your legacy, O oh God. Lord, we are hungry and thirsty to hear your words, your words of life this afternoon. Lord, even though this past week has been filled with a lot of ups and downs, maybe it may be filled with discouragements, or it may have been filled with victories. But through the rain and the storm, through the good and the bad, God, I lay down my rights, I lay down my crowns, and I lay them before you, O Lord. And we approach your throne with humility at this time. Speak to us. For God, we are listening, and we are hungry for your word, and we are thirsty for your living word, O God. And as you transition now to your message, I pray, God, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, O Lord, that you'll be pleased, that you'll be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. All glory to your name. We give praise to you. We give all honor, all praise, all glory to your name, O Lord. Pray all these things in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, in my pray. And as God's people, we pray. Amen and amen. Hello, everyone. I hope you had a great week. I missed you guys. And let's get into today's message. We're now in Philippians series, part 12. And the title for today's message is called How to Be a Faithful Steward in Our Giving and Receiving. I'll say it again. How to be a faithful steward in our giving and receiving. Let's get into today's passage I'm going to go ahead and read from last week's passage and continue on. But our main passage for today is found in verse 14 to 20. Philippians chapter 4, verse 14 to 20. But I'm going to go ahead and start reading from verse 10. So let's go right into today's passage. Verse 10 says this, I rejoice greatly in the Lord, that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well fed or hungry. Whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. And with our main passage starting from verse 14. It says this, yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving. Please repeat after me, giving and receiving, except you only. For when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I receive full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied. Now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all of your needs 
according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. How to be a faithful steward in our giving and receiving. Today I want to talk to you guys about stewardship. In our giving and receiving, stewardship means, it means managing. We are managers. We are supervisors of God's things. We're caretakers of God's belongings, the things that he has given us to take care of. For we are not owners of this world. We are just simply managers of his things. For the owner is our God. Meaning as faithful partners in Jesus Christ, we need to learn the spiritual virtues. These spiritual virtues are so important. The spiritual virtues of our giving and also being able to receive. Giving and receiving. To receive from others requires humility, acceptance, and gratitude. To give requires a generous heart. A heart that is willing to sacrifice. I remember I had that mindset where to receive, I felt maybe, in a, in a way, I felt selfish. I felt self-absorbed. But to receive is a spiritual virtue that we as Christians that we need to have. Because to receive requires humility. To receive requires acceptance. To receive requires gratitude. And I was always a type where I love giving things to people. I remember I would go on missions. I would leave the watch that I'm wearing, maybe a sports watch that I'm wearing, and I've given it a few times, many times, to people, and I left it with them. As memory, I like to give things away, like clothes or even buy things for food. I remember during the winter storm, I would go shoveling, and when I would make money with that money, I would buy my friends meals, and I would love to give, but I always felt so weird receiving. And as a church, as Deep Roots Church, I've been so blessed by you guys because you guys are amazing at giving things. And I have learned over the years to receive with humility. To receive requires humility. To receive it with gratitude. Yeah, I've been so blessed by you guys. Simple cards, cards that you guys write on holidays and birthdays simple group cards that you guys write or gifts that you guys give me or even the laptop that you guys gave that you guys gave me for my birthday that I'm using right now for the message and I'm so grateful to have this kind of community and here Paul is saying this Paul is saying he's teaching us the stewardship how important it is the stewardship of our giving and receiving in Christ That's not just about giving, but it's also about receiving. And this afternoon, I want to talk to you guys about the importance, about the stewardship that we are called to have in our giving and receiving as a church of Jesus Christ. Now, I have three points for us. And before our points, I would like you to add the phrase, as a steward of Jesus Christ. So point number one. As a steward of Jesus Christ, point number one is this. Are you a giver? Can you turn to your neighbor and say, are you a giver? Are you a giver? Growing up, you witness different types of individuals, right? Friends who are generous, who love to give, who like, they like to cook for you. They like to give you gifts. They're very generous with their giving. Or friends who are somewhat stingy. Right, friends who share and pay for meals or friends who are stingy and always say, I have no money. It's like when you ask a friend. I remember I had this a lot growing up. And I still remember these guys, you know, their names, I'm not going to say their names. But we would ask a question, hey, are you eating? And they would always say, no, I am okay. We're getting pizza. Do you want to get in this? They say, no, I'm okay. It could be anything, anything. And then when the food comes later, And then all of a sudden, they start eating. Once in a while, it's good. No problem, of course. But I'm talking about habitually, consistently, always. They will never take out their wallets. We would be the one paying for the meal for our friends. And then when later you hear one of my friends or I would say, dude, I thought you weren't eating. It's a funny story. In college, my friend told me this. He had a a, a roommate. And... 
he had uh he bought a bunch of chicken chicken nuggets he had classes all day work and he had a club meeting and then he came back he was really hungry and then he asked the friend hey if you want you could have some a little bit and this is the friend that never pays for anything and he said feel free to have some you know it's okay and and he's a generous guy and then he went and he took a shower and when he came back before he offered to give the chicken nuggets he had like one or two but later when he came back literally the friend the roommate he ended up eating the whole thing and this is the guy that would never pay for anything so it's important for us to be generous as Christians as Christians we are called to be generous in our giving and not to be stingy but also to have humility to receive which we'll get to point number two But are you a giver? The question, are you a giver? The scripture tells us in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 6 to 8, it says, do not eat the food of a begrudging host. Do not crave his delicacies, for he is the king of person who is always thinking about the cost. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. You will vomit up the little you have eaten and will have wasted your compliments. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 6 to 8. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24 to 27 tells us this. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Yet another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. People curse the one who hoards grain, but they pray God's blessing on the one who is willing to sell. I pray that as God's people, that we are individuals, just like it found in Proverbs chapter 11, there are people who give freely. And when we give freely, we will gain even more. But whoever is stingy, whoever is stingy, whatever they do, they will come to poverty. Romans chapter 12, verse 8, it says this, if it is to encourage then give encouragement. If it is giving, please say the word after me. Ready, one, two, three. Giving. Then give what? Generously. Not withholding back. When you give, give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Going back to verse 10 of Philippians chapter 4, verse 10 reminds us this, that I rejoice greatly in the Lord, that at last you renewed, you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. The context behind verse 10, that it's been 10 years since Paul received any gifts from the community of the Philippi. They wanted to, The Philippian church, they wanted to. They desired to. They wanted to help Paul with whatever his needs were. They wanted to help Paul, and they had the heart to help him. That's why they sent Epaphroditus to go ahead and to help Paul, to help him with any of his needs, for his struggles, for his needs to be met. But for some reason, they could not. But it was only through Epaphroditus that Paul was able to receive aid from the Philippine church. Paul was saying, I know you are concerned, but did not have the opportunity to show it. I know you wanted to, but due to certain circumstances and reasons, and you couldn't. And Paul is saying, that's okay. That is okay. So don't be sad. Don't feel bad. For I receive your heart. And I am doing well. I am doing well in Jesus Christ. Even though I'm in prison right now, I am doing well in Jesus Christ. Going back to verse 11. That's why Paul says, I'm not saying this because I am in need. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Verse 12, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in one. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. 
Paul is saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I receive your heart, Paul is saying. I receive the giving that you're doing. The question again, going back to point number one, are you a giver as the Philippian church? Verse 10 here, Paul is teaching us that we ministers do not work for gifts, money, monetary gains, but we work for Jesus Christ. For through Christ, I can do all things, for he strengthens me. At the same time, Paul is teaching us that the church, the community, should be responsible in supporting their workers, the ministers of God's word. Paul accepted the generous gifts from the community of Philippi. Why? Because they willingly gave from their heart. Even though Paul was no longer with them, with part of the church, they still desired to give and to support. Just like when we give support to a different church, to another organization, we give, when we give, we give generously. We give it from our hearts. Paul here, he is able to accept the gifts from the community of Philippi, the Philippian church, because they give from their willingness out of their hearts, from their genuine hearts. Paul here teaches us that as a church, it's important to give and to support the workers, the ministers of God's word, people who work for God's kingdom. In 1 Corinthians 9, 14 to 18, tells us that in the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. But I have not used any of these rights. And I am now writing this in the hope that you will do such things for me. For I would rather die than allow anyone to deprive me of this boast. For when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast, since I am compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. If I preach voluntarily, I have a reward. If not voluntarily, I am simply discharging the trust committed to me. What then is my reward? Just this, that in preaching the gospel, I may offer it free of charge and so not make full use of my rights as a preacher of the gospel. For this reason, whenever I go to a retreat or anything, or if I'm asked to give a message, I have no expectation of being paid back or given something for me to go ahead and to be able to deliver a message. Free of charge doesn't matter. As long as I go, as long as I have the opportunity, I'll go and I'll give my whole heart, my everything for the sake of the gospel, for the good news, for the message of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul here reminds us in verse 14 to 16 that it was good of you to share my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. The Philippian church was the only church that was faithful in their matter of giving from their hearts. Verse 15 to 16 says, When I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving. Paul is calling them out. Not one of them. They share with me, giving, receiving, except you only, Philippian church. I pray to God that as Deep Roots Church, there will be a church that is generous in our giving and humble in our receiving. As Paul mentions here to the Philippian church. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. 
So as a steward of Jesus Christ, are you a faithful giver? As a father, as a son, as a mother, as a daughter, as a friend, as a stranger, as a granddaughter, as a grandson, as a church member, are we generous in our giving? Are we a faithful giver for the things, for the sake of the gospel? As Christians, we're called to give faithfully. And I'm not saying, I'm not talking about giving money away freely, away to everyone and to anyone and to every charity cause. But we do it for the sake of the gospel. And we do it wisely. And when we give, we do not hold back. We give generously. We give joyfully. We give from the heart. Verse 14, yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. It's for your benefit, Philippine church, that you learn the spiritual virtue, the spiritual discipline of giving and how important it is for you to have a generous heart, to have the heart to give. And when we give, we don't do it begrudgingly. We do it from the generous heart. We do it all the way without holding back. That's why it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7 through 10, it tells us this. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a what? A cheerful giver. Repeat after me, a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work, as it is written, that freely scatter the gifts to the poor, the righteousness endures forever. If you're here today, if you're here today, and you're tied to the power of money, and somehow we're stingy with our money, as Judas was, as a woman came with the alabaster jar, came and broke at the feet of our Lord Jesus Christ. He said, what a waste. What a waste. If we are somehow tied down to the power of money, I pray that you will be released from this bondage. For money is money at the end of the day. But money represents so much and so many of us, we are tied to the power of money, money, mammon. You can only serve God or mammon. We cannot serve two masters. Money represents security. It represents status, fame, the security that we have in this life, in this earthly, temporary life. However, as Christians, our security, our foundation is not found on these monetary things, temporary things, but our security is found in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the eternity, in the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Remembering the words, Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. As we give, as Christians, as we give, we sow in the eternal blessings that is found in heaven, eternity with our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us not get lost in sowing in the earthly blessings, for they are all temporary things. For when we die, that is it. There is no U-Haul truck that we can take with us to take away all of our life savings. When we take our final breath, that's the end. And it is finished. Now going to point number two. As a steward of Jesus Christ... Are you a receiver? I'll say it again. Are you a receiver? Verse 17 to 18 tells us this. Not that I desire gifts. 
What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphrodite the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And the question, what marks a strong leader? What marks a strong leader is the individual's uncanny ability to be able to receive, to receive gifts, to receive aid, to receive help with humility. This is something, again, I mentioned earlier on that I personally struggled with for a very long time to receive with humility. I mentioned how I love giving, but I always felt somehow weird in receiving things from people. It's a story in high school. When I was a senior in high school, uh, we did Harvesters, and, and there was a yearbook signing, and... They were giving away the yearbook, and what ended up happening was uh, I didn't want them to sign my yearbook because it just felt weird, like receiving compliments, and I'm like, you know, I felt like, oh, I'm too cool for that. I don't need it. But I remember I had to leave early and I had to go to work, and when I went to work, uh, the group of the, the younger classmates, the classmates, they came together, and they uh, wrote all the encouraging words, and I have the yearbook to this day, and I'm glad and I'm thankful that they wrote it because it's very dear to my heart. I remember even receiving, even writing a, like a compliment, receiving a compliment on a yearbook, I had a hard time receiving that. But over the years, I mentioned how I have grown to learn the spiritual virtue of receiving, especially through our church, especially through our members, because you guys are, again, very sweet in your giving. And for, so, for a very long time, to receive, I just felt selfish and I felt self-absorbed. And Paul here is saying in verse 17 to 18, not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent what does Paul say about the gifts that were sent to him? He's saying they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. To give and to receive is a fragrant offering, acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. To receive is not selfish. That's the truth. The truth to receive is not selfish. It's not selfish to receive. In fact, it's the complete opposite. In fact, ultimately, not being able to receive is selfish because it stems from pride. To reject the generous gifts, the generous help, and the aid that comes your way, it equals pride. But to receive, it equals humility. We as Christians are called to receive. We as Christians, we must learn to receive and to receive well with humility. Compliments, kind words, presence, etc. Every day, do we not receive from God? The fact that I am alive here today, breathing at this very moment during this season, to be here at such, a time, at, at such a time as this, have I not received so much from God? Am I not be here because of His grace? Am I, am I not here because of His mercy? Am I not here because of His kind-hearted tenderness towards me? His mercy towards me? His compassion towards me? His hope, the hope that I have in Him? the hope that is found in Jesus Christ, the life that I have in Jesus Christ. Paul, in his pride, he could have said this. He could have said, nope, I do not need any of your help. Do you know who I am? I am known by thousands in the churches around me. Do you know who I am? I do not need any of your help. In his high position, 
In his pride, Paul could have rejected in receiving anything from the Philippian church. But he thanks God for the aid and the help that was given by the Philippian church, by the community of Philippi, by sending Epaphroditus to aid him in his need. And many times it is difficult to receive freely because we have become one, a person of low self-worth. You feel like I'm not deserving of these gifts. Who am I to receive these gifts? I'm not that important. Again, number one, a person of low self-worth. Or we have become, number two, a person, a proud person of too much self-worth, full of the self. I am better than the person next to me. Who are you to give me these gifts? I don't need any of your help. Or number three, we become a skeptic, always a cynic towards this life, cynical to the things of this life. Maybe these people are giving me to control me, to manipulate me, or they expect me to pay them back somehow. Or maybe they're trying to control and manipulate me by burning me with these free gifts. All these three things are wrong. And we must receive with humility, especially when they're given and sent by God through these people to come to our aid. Here are five things that we must do when we are receiving from people, when we are receiving help, aid from God. These are five sub points. The letter A, do not be cynical. When I say cynical, do not be suspicious. Do not be distrusting when receiving things. Letter B, do not be careless when receiving. Obviously, we should not just receive just for the sake of receiving. You know, there are reasons why maybe that creepy guy will keep giving you gifts. It's because maybe you're just receiving it too much or you're giving the wrong signal. Be careful when you receive. Do not be careless, but be wise. Let us see. Be wise when receiving. Again, discern. Discern what is from God, what is not. Because sometimes people will give and they will manipulate by their gifts to control you so they can use you. So be wise when receiving. Letter D, be humble when receiving as Paul did. And letter E, be thankful always, not just to that individual, but to the ultimate giver. Who is the ultimate giver? The owner of this life, it's God. To the people, yes, but ultimately to the ultimate giver. Give thanks to the ultimate giver, our Lord Jesus Christ, our God in heaven. As Paul joyfully received, as Paul received aid from the Philippian church, when you joyfully receive, you can go far in this life. You can go further in this life. It's like that saying, that for a teacher, that our foundation is their ceiling. Just like I want you guys to go further in this life. What I couldn't get, what I couldn't receive when I was your age. Use me. Accept the help that is given to you from me or from the people who are older than you, from your parents. It's like the image of the ladder. When you're taking the step, it's the hand of your father holding the ladder. You're taking the step. You're, help, you're getting the help from your parents. You're getting the help from your family members. You're getting the help from your friends, from people around you, from your teachers to get, help you to get to the next place, to be better than they were. Become better than me. Then you can go further in this life when you joyfully receive, when you receive help. For you're receiving help from God. When we receive, we are showing that we have humility. We are saying, God, I choose to live this life not by my own strength, but by your aid, O Lord. God, I choose this life right now. I choose to live this life. 
Can you all close your eyes with me? God, I choose to live this life not by my own strength, but by your aid, oh Lord. If you can open your eyes. And I'm not saying have a victim mentality where we are always in a place of receiving, 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 receiving. There needs to be a, a balance of giving and receiving when we do it for the sake of, of the gospel, for the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about having a victim mentality. I am talking about receiving with humility when we find ourselves in dire situations. I want to go ahead and show you a clip from a movie called Cinderella Man. The thing is, I can't afford to, uh, I can't afford to pay the heat. I've had to farm out my kids. You know, to keep cutting shifts down at the docks, and you just don't get picked every day. I sold everything I got that anybody would buy. <laughs> I went on public assistance. I signed on at the relief office. They gave me $19. I need another $18.38 so I can pay the bill and get the kids back. You know me well enough to know if I had anywhere else to go, I wouldn't be here. If you could help me through this time, I sure would be grateful. Sure, Jim, sure. Jesus Christ. How sure are you? About a dollar fifty. The main character here played by Russell Crowe, named James J. Braddock. He was a heavyweight champ from 1935 to 1937. He's from New Jersey, from North Bergen, New Jersey's very own. Did you guys know that Frank Sinatra was also from New Jersey? He's from Hoboken, New Jersey. You didn't know that. But this boxer, James Braddock, he lived during the Great Depression. He had come to a point where he needed to receive help from his fellow friends and require humility and vulnerability. Paul here is saying, also in his desperate situation, I was also in a desperate situation, I received help from the Philippian church, from the community in Philippi, and I remember you. You helped me more than once, for community represents family for we are family in Christ 
can we at this time turn to our neighbor and say, you are here for me and I am here for you. Why don't you go ahead and text someone a message to our fellow member and say, I am here for you. Actually, let's not do individual. If you're in a group chat together, you could say, I am here for you. How beautiful, how beautiful this picture is when they're there for each other, to be there for each other, to help one another. Verse 18, I receive full payment and I have more than enough. I am amply supplied. Now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. A fragrant offering that is pleasing to God. It was sweet, sweet-smelling, acceptable sacrifice before God. God loves a fragrant offering, a smell that is sweet to his, to his nose that comes from a pure heart to give and to receive. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. For you gave from your heart, Philippian church. That's why in Genesis 8, 21, it tells us the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the smell Ephesians 5, 2, and walk in a way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us as a what? As a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. The sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ was pleasing to God for it was pure and it was right. And in this sense, the Philippian church sent Epaphroditus Paul here, again, he mentions Timothy and Epaphroditus in the beginning of Philippians. He talks about these faithful men, of faithful men who serve, who is faithful in serving the Lord by serving the Philippian church and Paul and these individuals who risk their lives for Paul's life, for God to work through Paul's life. And we see Timothy and Epaphroditus They were of great aid and help. And Paul received help from these individuals plenty of times. And Paul advocates and he fights and he stands with them. He stands up for them. Going back, refreshing our memory, going back to Philippians chapter 2, verse 19 to 30, what does Paul say about Timothy and about Epaphroditus? And let's tie it together with the phrase fragrant offering. Why, it was, why they were acceptable in God's eyes. Paul says here in verse 19, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon that I also may be cheer when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare for everyone looks out for their own interests not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died. But God had mercy on him and not on him only but also on me to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send them so that when you see him again, you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. So then welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor people like him because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. Is your life like these two men? 
a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. Is your life like these two individuals, like Timothy and Epaphroditus? Is your life a fragrant offering, acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God? Which leads us to point number three. As a steward of Jesus Christ, put into practice the spiritual virtues of giving and receiving. I'll say it again. Put into practice the spiritual virtues of giving and receiving if you desire to live a fulfilled life. You need to continue in your giving and in your receiving. To have a fulfilled life is important as Christians to learn the virtues of giving and receiving. It's like the story of Ebenezer Scrooge, Mr. Scrooge. Once a selfish, miserable old man, he becomes a man of kindness, of giving, and he learns to give love, not only give love, but also to receive love. Does your life feel empty? Do you want your life to have meaning? Do you want your life to feel fulfilled? Do you want to feel alive and not dead? Paul is teaching us then go and do something. What is that something? Learn to give. Learn to receive. Simple as that. That's what life comes down to. We give help and we receive help in this short life that we have. If you desire and if you want to live a fulfilled life, you continue to put these two amazing godly habits and virtues and disciplines into practice. You put it into practice. You put it into action. You put it into action. You give and you receive. To give and to receive our spiritual gifts, our godly virtues, our godly disciplines. You continue to be generous steward in your giving and in your receiving. And if you continue in these two spiritual disciplines, the scripture tells us, Paul tells us, that all your needs will be met. Verse 19 to 20 tells us this, and my God, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father, be glory forever and ever Amen. Let me read it one more time. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Okay, I'm closing with this, and I will invite you to close your eyes with me as you finish the service. The message today reminds us that if we are faithful and if we do these two spiritual disciplines well of giving and receiving, God will meet all of our needs according to the glorious riches found in our Lord Jesus Christ. If you do these two disciplines well of giving and receiving, God will meet all of our needs according to his glorious riches that is found in Jesus Christ. What does this mean, you ask? It means that all of your quote-unquote needs on earth, it shall be brought, it shall be given, it shall be delivered, it shall be supplied, not just on earth, but in heaven and in eternity with God. When we as Christians rely on Jesus Christ, when I rely on Jesus Christ, I'm able to accept the provisions that come my way with humility. I'm able to receive these these gifts with humility and gratitude. And with gratitude and humility. Can we just take this time to reflect on the message and to ask ourselves, am I a giver? Am I a receiver? 
do I put into practice the spiritual virtues of giving and receiving? If not, my life will be full of emptiness. My life will not have purpose. To live a fulfilled life, we must put into practice the spiritual virtues of our giving and receiving in the kingdom of God. Let's just take a moment right now to reflect. Ask yourself the question, am I a giver? Am I a receiver? In our own rooms, let's just take a moment to lift up our voices and ask God and pray to God to give us a heart of giving and the humility to receive. Let's pray together. Father, I just pray that God don't be marked as a church that gives like the Philippian church. God that receives like Paul with humility. Oh Lord, let us be like Timothy. Epaphroditus, oh God, I pray God that we be faithful in our stewardship. that you have called us to manage. Oh God, let us be generous in our giving. Oh Lord, let us be humble in our receiving. Jesus, teach us your ways. Walk in the truth. Let our church be marked with faithfulness, oh God. With generosity. Am I a giver like the Philippian church? Am I a receiver like Paul as he received with humility? Lord, I pray, God, that these are two spiritual virtues, two spiritual disciplines that you have asked us to learn so that, God, that as a church, that we can be a church that gives freely, that gives out of the generosity from the heart that you have given us, and that, God, that we'll receive help that we will receive with humility, that we will not grow proud in our own ways, in our own judgment, but Lord, to receive help in our dire time of need. I pray, God, that we encourage one another, that we be a church that is marked with faithfulness, with generosity, with kindness, with compassion, and with love. Jesus, teach us your ways to walk in your truth today. I pray, God, that we will not forget the gift that we receive from you every single day, the gift of life. Lord, thank you for the breath that I have. And God, for giving us another Sunday as a church to praise you and to glorify your name, to give you all the praise and honor that is deserving of your name, O God. Lord, teach us once again what it means to give. and what it means to receive. I pray all these things in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, and I pray. And as God's people, we pray. Amen and amen.